Well, good afternoon, my friends, and Happy New Year. We are still in our Incarnation series. This is podcast number 452 for Monday, January 3rd. Uh, Let's turn to our memory verse, John chapter 1 and verse 14. John 1, 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. I have thoroughly enjoyed the study uh, from Stephen J. Wellam and um, and wanted to make sure I give him credit again. He's probably going to one day wonder who in the heck this was that, that, that said he was using his material and then took so many left turns and right turns from it. Um, but I, I don't want to destroy what he's done. He's done such a fabulous job. But I also know what I can and cannot share. Um, this isn't a college class. Um, you know, we're all just kind of learning together. And so, but I wanted to give him credit and we're on number nine in his, um, in his, uh, paper. We're going to do number nine, number 10. And then on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we're going to do a review and a wrap up of this series. So, um, hopefully, um, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll able to kind of tie up some loose ends uh, that maybe you have questions on. So number nine. Get your notepads ready, get your Bibles ready. By taking on our human nature, the Son became the first man of the new creation, our great mediator and new covenant head. So much there. But remember, Jesus is the first fruits. He's the He's the one who got, goes first in everything. He, he went first in, in this new type of man, God-man, 100% God, 100% man, and in a sense being the the new creation that way because the two natures become one for the first time. Um, he went uh, first and he was the first fruits of the resurrection. And the first fruits meaning the first to go um, in uh, to be res- resurrected. So first fruits, he's the one who came first in the resurrection. And he, there were other firsts. And again, this first of being this 100% uh, God in 100% man. And then he uses the term a new creation, which it was, and then our great mediator and a new covenant head. Remember a brand new covenant from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 35, where Jeremiah says there's going to be a new covenant. Um, and you can look those scriptures up. And that new covenant is what the um, what we get the benefit of, even though the new covenant was for um, the Jews, because they were the ones under the old covenant, we still benefit from it. So uh, the term mediator, let's look at that. It's in First Timothy, First Timothy. So right after First um, and Second uh, Thessalonians is First Timothy chapter two, First Timothy chapter two and verse five. First Timothy 2 and verse 5 on page 1500 in my Bible. I don't know if that helps you. Um, but for there is one God, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There is one God, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And this mediator was planned all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. As you remember, uh, there was the fall of man. Man fell. Man committed sin. Man chose to be disobedient and chose to have a relationship um, uh, with this world and um, over being able to walk with God. And and so there is this mediator that needs to take place to, to bring about um, this reconciliation. We know from a, a court there's mediators. We know in different situations where there's uh, uh, family disputes, they bring in a mediator. This is the greatest mediator of all time. 
because man fell, man sinned, man uh, destroyed his relationship with God from his standpoint and could not get back to that relationship on his own. And so, again, First Timothy 2, verse uh, verse 5, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And that's essential for us to understand, because saying that eliminates any other ways to God. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And we need to understand that that's what the term mediator means. It means that he's the peacemaker. He's the one who takes um, this problem of us being separated from God. He pays the price for it with his own life to bring us back to God. Now, let's go into the book of Hebrews. I say this a lot, and you guys probably just roll your eyes, but Hebrews is one of my favorite books, and I say that about a lot of them, but I I really do love Hebrews. Does it mean I understand it? Absolutely not. I understand parts of it and probably just glimpses of it, but there's so much more to it. But I I want us to look at our mediator. In, in Hebrews chapter 7, we're talking really before ha- chapter 7, but in chapter 7, we're talking about our high priest. Um, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews deals with um, this position of the high priest for many, many chapters. Um, and so uh, we have this detailed teaching of what the high priest was and what Jesus is in this role of high priest, the last, final, perfect high priest. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 7, verses 25 and 26. Talking about Jesus as the high priest says, Consequently, he is able, because of who he is, right? Because of, 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 of what he's done, because of the fact in verse 16, it says um, he has the power of an indestructible life. He always will be, always was, and he always will be. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, through him. We draw near to God through him, not through anyone else, since he always lives to make intercession for us, which is fabulous because he's always interceding on our behalf. And and he didn't just do it once. He didn't just say, I played the role pay me, I'm done. He he continues in his role of mediator uh, and intercessor. And um, and then verse 26, and look at again, the, 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 the qualities of our mediator. For he, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. There is nothing that we can throw at Jesus in the way of negativity that that will stick. There is nothing in the way of negativity at all. We can't say he was sinful. We can't say he was imperfect. Uh, We can't say that he was not understanding because he absolutely is. We can't say that he he didn't understand uh, our our emotions because he lived a life in, in, in the flesh as well as in his divinity, and he cares, and he loves, and he understands, and he's experienced all of it. Now, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 and 12. Say this, and by that will, let me make sure I'm in the right chapter, yes, and by that will, uh, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. He will not offer his sacrifice again because he does not need to. 
verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. They appeased for a moment, but they didn't take away. They covered for a moment, but they didn't take away the sins. Verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Complete. Done. No reason to do any, anything else. And he didn't just cover our sins. John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist says about Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Who takes away the sins of the world. Let's look at Jesus' attitude about this. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. It says this, when we studied Mark, this was our memory verse. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man, which goes, um, which is, which is, was his favorite way of, of, of talking about himself, Jesus, um, goes back to Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14. Read those fabulous portion of scripture. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. It wasn't accidental. It wasn't um, that he fell into something. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. Turn to Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 says, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Matthew and Mark echo one another in what Jesus um was was willing to do and why he came. Turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Uh, Luke chapter, uh, excuse me, it's Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. I think sometimes I'm dyslexic. I really do. I write things down and I think I got it and I just write it down uh, wrong. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man, there's the Son of Man title again, came to seek and to save those who were lost. Jesus didn't come asking people to somehow find their way to him. Jesus came so that um, he would be accessible to everyone. And in that accessibility, he was, he was, he made himself, the Bible says of no reputation. He humbled himself and came as a man to do what only he could do. It's, it's imperative that we understand this. We go back to our initial scripture in First Timothy. You don't have to look it up. But there is one God and there's one mediator between God and man. And that is the man Christ Jesus. He was the only one who could pay that price. He was the only one who could do what needed to be done. So that is um, point number nine. A little shorter today. We're starting a new year. Being gentle with you. Let's look at uh, our scripture in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. 
Amen. God bless you. Happy New Year. See you again.